This is the first Sunday of Advent. It's the beginning of the church year, and so in a very real sense, we start in the beginning, the the story of our salvation and the hope of our salvation, the need for our salvation. And we, our first reading comes in the middle of, of Jesus' ministry when He's talking about Him coming again. And He's, we're going to be taking a look at chapter 13 of the Gospel of Mark, beginning in verse 24 and going to the end of the chapter, or nearly the end of the, to the, end of the chapter. Listen to the Word of God. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer's near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he's near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake awake. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your word. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we consider what you're saying to us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're not, we're not really good at waiting. But we have to learn. We, we, we're not good at waiting. We become, especially in our society, a very instant society. And we're taught from an early age that we can achieve anything, we can do anything, we can fix anything that we put our minds to. And we, to a great degree, no longer have a sense of, the, of being subject to the elements of life. We can take charge. And, and keep busy and keep working and, and make things happen. We, we don't have to wait. Advent is a season of, of 
redeveloping that discipline. It's a season of learning to wait. A theme I have come back to again and again is that we are living in the time of the now and the not yet. And both are absolutely true in in fullness. The, The now is true. Christ has come. His salvation is achieved on, on the cross and in his resurrection, and, it, and it's available to all of us in its fullness. Even now, God is with us by his spirit now, and we follow him and we worship him now. But we also live in the not yet. Advent is a season that, that, that focuses on the not yet of our lives and, and how to live in it, how to wait. And, and the clearest way to see this not yet is in the darkness we experience in the world and in our lives and, and the waiting for God to make all things right. Advent, it's the time of year too. It it starts in darkness. The days are literally getting shorter. And and we are waiting for the light to come. But that but that waiting, it it starts in the darkness. And and the light these days, it's slowly disappearing. And if it kept going, we'd be left in, in utter darkness. But that's where this passage starts. It starts in the darkest of places. The sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. It starts in the darkness. The summer before I started high school, I went to a camp in Tell- outside of Telluride, Colorado, and we spent weeks on the trail backpacking through mountains and deserts. And at one point, we did a 24 hours, we did 24 hour solos. And each one of us was just left on our own for 24 hours. And we were at about 10,000 feet, just, be, just below tree level. And each of us could choose what we'd take. And we all, you know, we were all gonna be tough. And so we all tried to be minimalists. And so, a flannel shirt, jeans, pocket knife, a a couple of matches. That's what I had. And I vividly remember that night. Uh, It was long, and it was cold, and it was dark. And all it was was an exercise of waiting, waiting for that first light of dawn then we knew we'd make it. History has at times seemed like things that it seemed like all the light was going out of the world. About 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and Jews were were scattered across the Roman Empire. Seemed those early Christians clearly thought that the end was near. A few hundred years later, Rome fell when the barbarians were destroying all of civilization. That had to be it. Again, hundreds of years later after that, the bubonic plague 
swept through Europe and half the population of the world died and whole towns were wiped out. Closer to our own times, Stalin and Hitler were systematically wiping out whole populations and the world was at war and we were developing horrific weapons. And the threats continue and seem, it seems like they are getting worse all the time. We, and, and this darkness, we know it is a world, but all of us know darkness to some degree or other personally as well. Each of us has experienced darkness closing in on us in personal ways, overwhelmed by, by circumstances in our lives. Many suffer times of grief or depression or despair. And we also recognize and suffer the weight of the, the consequences of our own sin and our own shame. We know darkness, and when that, that weight of any of these things comes down on us, it's like the sun and the moon and the stars stop shining. It's a, it's a characteristic of this condition that it is beyond our power to control. And we can create all the art, artificial life light that we want, but we cannot replace the light of the sun. We cannot overcome this, this darkness by our own efforts. So what do we do now? Advent starts in the darkness. It starts there, but it doesn't leave us there. Then, it's a little word in this passage, then. Then denotes the promise that we are waiting for. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the, coming on the clouds with great power and glory. Here comes the light. Advent is the season of waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of waiting through the long, cold, dark night for light to come into the world. And we wait for Christmas, the first coming of Christ, the light come into the world. But Advent is also and especially about waiting for the return of Christ, a promise that is still ahead. Soon after this passage, three of the disciples are going to go up the a hill with Jesus and get a foretaste of this promise on the Mount of Transfiguration. We, all of creation, wait to see the whole of it at the, His second coming. When all will be finished and made right, when Jesus returns in power and glory, and the darkness will finally and completely be overcome. Then is the time of fulfillment of the promise that darkness, all darkness, is overcome. So what do we do now? What do we do now? We wait. We wait in hope. The darkness in any of its forms 
It's not a surprise to Christians. We understand it. But neither do we despair because of it. Even when it's out of our control, it's not beyond God. It's not beyond Him. Be patient. Wait. Wait with hope. This passage stresses two things that seem on the surface contradictory. The the first is relax. Relax. We don't know when this is going to take place. In the meantime, live your lives. Just live ready. Stay awake. That means live with expectation, the, the trust and the hope of the promise, even in the darkest of places. Some in the early church had, had felt that Christ's return was so imminent that they stopped living their normal lives. Some in the church in Thessalonica, they, they gave up jobs and homes thinking that, w- that was just going to be any day, and, and it wasn't. And, and Paul told them that that wasn't the form of waiting that they were to be living. Rather, be at peace knowing that he is coming, but we don't know when. Just, just stay ready. When I was in high school and college, I I would sometimes go to a a nearby church for special concerts and speakers, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, a famous big church in Southern California. And among the events, they occasionally had special speakers for what they called prophecy updates. And, And I didn't always agree with their reading of Scripture, even back then when I was in high school. The, the, some of these speakers would say something along the lines that, they, that we didn't know the day or the hour, but we could figure out the, the, the week and the month. And uh, I thought they missed the meaning of that phrase. And, and as you might guess, some people did things when they had those dates that they would not otherwise do. But what I did gather that was meaningful from that was the, the sense of imminence of the, of the second coming, of the return of Christ, and the urgency to be ready. I've heard people this week, and in, in a number of times over the past few weeks, talking about the state of the world and all the news from around the world and wondering if this is it. I don't know. But, but I trust someday Christ will come again and make all things right. It may be after my lifetime, but whenever it is, I want to be ready. But the fact is, most of us in the church don't have that sense of the immediacy of Christ's return. It, it seems more likely to us that it's not going to happen for a hundred, a thousand, a million years, or at least we tend to live that way. But this passage, even with its message to relax, also has the message of the urgency to be ready, to stay awake. I'd say it's, this passage is less concerned with curtailing fanaticism than it is with challenging complacency. Since we don't know when, it, it, it could be a thousand years from now, far beyond the, the pale of any of our personal concerns, we so easily lose that focus 
of waiting for it, and we, and we just get back to work doing our best to control everything. And frankly, despairing and, fear, and fearing when it seems like we can't. Even though it could be tomorrow. Think of it this way. When we are expecting someone, but we don't know if they're coming tomorrow or a million years from now, who lives with the urgency of being ready in the case that it is tomorrow or today? Who lives with that kind of urgency when we just don't even know when? There is a person. There is a person who lives with the urgency of waiting even if they don't know when someone is coming. The person who is in love with the one who's coming waits with urgency. Someone who is in love would actively, attentively, and with full hope wait. Someone who is desperately in love keeps their eyes to the horizon, waiting for the moment when their beloved comes. It's like the father who saw his returning prodigal son from far away, and he ran to him. He was looking. He was hoping his son would come home. My niece, Ashley, is in love with Josh, and Josh is a marine biologist who goes on vessels voyaging all over the world for research. And he's gone for months at a time. But these days, they, they know his itinerary, and, and they can stay in touch all along the way. Think of it, though. Sailors through the centuries would, would leave their loved ones to wait for them, not knowing when or if they'd ever return. And, and the loved ones would just wait, wait. Now, some wouldn't stay faithful. They, they couldn't wait. Others would be faithful. Those who are really in love would wait and watch. Advent is the season where we recognize the darkness of this world and even of our own lives, but we wait no matter how dark it gets and how much it seems like the last light is, is just going to completely fade away. We trust and love and worship one who has made the promise to return. Mark Allen Powell is a pastor who wrote, the season of Advent invites us to wait impatiently for the consummation of hope, longing to know God as fully as we have been known to see no longer through a dark pain, but face to face, to love as we have been loved, to experience Jesus Christ as he is, and in so doing, to become like him. And we wait. We wait with longing and with hope. It may, another, it may be another hundred or thousand or 10,000 years well beyond the scope of each one of us. Our, li our lives are so short in the scheme of things, but it could be tomorrow. Here's the thing. Unless he returns first, I, I hope to live to be a healthy 100 years old. 
but I also want to be ready to, lead, to, to meet him tomorrow. And the funny thing is, my best life today is a life that is ready to meet him in this moment, in its fullness, in his fullness. And we are those who are so hope-filled, so in love, so amazed at the love and salvation God has for us, we can't wait for the consummation of the age. We're, we're going to be grateful and joyful and hopeful even in the darkness today. I think of Paul in prison, not knowing if this is it, saying, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it is this anticipation that keeps our hearts ready and our eyes on the horizon waiting for the dawn of the new light. Then, then Jesus is coming in power and glory to make everything right and to fill the world with eternal light. At the end of the book of Revelation, John writes about the new heaven and the new Jerusalem, and he, he gives us this picture. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will, will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. Advent gives us a picture of our waiting for his return. As we wait for the celebration of his first coming, and it's four weeks away. It, that's hardly anything. It's hardly anything unless you are a child that is so excited that it seems like forever. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face in the coming of the kingdom and the fulfillment of all things. I don't have a timeline on it. I just keep my eyes on the horizon and stay awake. Let's pray. Lord, there is so much we don't know and so much we can't control. And at times, Lord, it is so dark in so many ways. But God, we wait. We have a promise. And no matter how dark it gets, Lord, we are awaiting people, and we trust you, and we worship you in fullness even today, knowing that your spirit is with us. Your salvation is achieved in your son, Jesus Christ, for what he has already done. But God, that gives us the hope to wait even now for him to come again. God, in this Advent season, as we put the trees up and the lights and the candles and the music 
in all that we do to surround ourselves with the, the remembrance of your coming. God, may we also remember the promise of your coming again and wait. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your promise and for your son. Guide us to live as those who are awake. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.